I did come out to my parents as, you know, polyamorous. Mm. And it was after meeting Lauren, who became a full-time partner of ours, and we were both in love with her. And I was like, well, you can't really hide this. She's in our home every day. You know, my parents are gonna come visit. They're gonna meet her, they're gonna know her, and I want them to. Welcome to Sweet Release. Okay, Jessica, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Happy to have you here in the Water Palace. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you are a dynamic writer, uh, speaker, podcast host of mm-hmm. your own podcast. And it's under the realm of just kind of polyamory, open relationships, and ethical non-monogamy. So yeah. Let's start with hearing that how your journey came to be in that world. Yeah. Where did it all start? Well, the I guess it started 10 years ago, oh my, 11 years ago now, I think, um, when my now husband, who was just a you know, boyfriend, partner of mine at the time, dipped our toes into the world of non-monogamy. Sort of accidentally and it's it's a running joke that we call it the accidental threesome in fact it was the first episode of my podcast ever where my friend ginger banks interviewed me about how that went down like completely accidental just one too many cocktails on new year's eve and we took home one of my best friends and she and i had always had flirtatious energy but we never really acted on it and i think being a young you know, a younger woman in my 20s, I had always repressed my desires towards women and denied like my bisexuality really because I came from, you know, a Catholic upbringing, which I sort of moved away from at a very young age, but that shame and that guilt and that good girl programming really stay with you. And so it wasn't until I was actually with a partner that like I felt safe with and seen and completely accepted for who I was that I think I felt the security to explore that side of me. And so that one night unleashed an entire relationship evolution from monogamy, which we we unconsciously were like choosing monogamy because it's mononormativity and we're so young and we don't know any better we don't know there's any other kind of relationship out there i mean maybe we had heard about you know you hear about swinging or whatever when you're younger but i had no idea the options that were available to me and so over the years um i would say the first few years of our relationship and early marriage were spent exploring like, okay, well, what do we like? Well, what do we want to do? Do we like sex parties? Do we like more curated, you know, events, small orgies? Do we like to go to, you know, Burning Man, which we obviously do? Or do we want to date people? Do we want to, like, get on apps and meet people, you know, on Field or Hinge and go that route? So we've done all of that. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've done it phases. all. Um, and that's sort of what brought me to want to podcast and to share about it because I was very private for a long time about this part of my life. Hardly anyone knew, um, just my closest friends. Again, lots of sort of wanting to keep things under the rug, which is where you keep all taboo, secret things. 
in families, you know, that grow up, um, or not families, but I should say, you know, in pockets of society where this is unacceptable. So it took me a while to come out, but once I did, I felt like, well, there could be more resources about this, and I would love to be someone who's showing it in a positive and healthy light, and then Open Late Podcast was born. Yeah, thank you. And your work is so good on there. Thanks. I'm a fan. Um, so coming out, was that um, was that tough for you? Would you consider yourself bisexual, correct? Yes. So I made the process tougher than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. I, My parents didn't bat an eye, really, when I... Well, I never really came out about being bisexual. I sort of just started to, like, tell people that we would hook up with women. But I did come out to my parents as, you know, polyamorous. Mm. And it was after meeting Lauren, who became a full-time partner of ours, and we were both in love with her. And I was like, well, you can't really hide this. She's in our home every day. You know, my parents are going to come visit. They're going to meet her. They're going to know her. And I want them to. So I stressed out about it which was so unnecessary. I mean, I told my parents and they were like, cool. Like, (laughs) it's almost, I I don't know, sometimes we forget that the world perceives us way different than we perceive ourselves. Mm -hmm. And they saw me as this, you know, very fringe, very always testing the boundaries and kind of pushing outside the norm. Um, and I think my dad even said to me, he's like, you don't ever do anything conventional. So I, this is I wouldn't to be expected. Expect yeah, yeah, he's like, if you, if you guys are happy, I'm happy. And it was very sweet. Um, my mom will still ask me questions because she's confused by it all. Like five years after finding out, she'll still say, I just don't understand how it works, you know. And I try to remind her she might never be able to because her mind works in a monogamous fashion and my mind doesn't. And the way that I look at relationships and love really has almost different wiring, likely. Different, you know, neurological programming. And we're actually starting to see that, you know, as, as we study the brain more. So... I just remind her, like, it's okay that you don't understand and it's not for everyone to get, you know, but she's like, I accept you, love you, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Did your um, dating, has your dating always been together or do you often date separately? We often date separately, yes. Um, In the beginning, sure, we did, a lot of our experiences were together. Um, It was Pasha who encouraged me to date men on my own when uh, there was a time in our relationship where we spent a lot of time apart and we were working completely different schedules and we just weren't seeing each other a lot and he was like I'm definitely not meeting your needs I know I'm not meeting your needs I know my wife (laughs) she is a horny bird so he was like and and I hadn't even really thought about it truthfully because I was so I think when you like take the lid off the box, you know, for me with women, I was like, oh my God, I could like go down this rabbit hole forever. I've wanted this for a really long time and now it's available to me. Um, 
But he was like, he kind of reminded me, he's like, you know, I am totally open to being with men as well. And I was like, okay, interesting. And so we started dating separately, which was a huge learning curve for me. I never dated from an empowered place as like a woman. So yeah, we've been dating separately for a long time, probably eight out of the 10 years. Um, but we do like to do stuff together still. Right. I would it's say cool it's a that good. You have a, a partner together. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that because I actually did know that you did separate. Because I think the first connection we've ever had was mm-hmm. I went on a date with Pasha. Yes. And then we Which I love this. Yes. And I was like, wait, I went on a date with you. I had mm-hmm. forgotten. And he was like, yeah, you never texted me back. And <laughs> you're just like the, the timing of it. Yeah. It didn't end up. That's always the way. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So you, yeah, it's funny. I'm trying to remember how it was because we realized that you went on a date with Pasha only after you and I had a connection because we were sort of hooking Dating. up with the same, yeah, person. Yeah, the same person. Yeah. yeah. And I was, and I was like, oh my God, you live right down the street from me. And I think we started talking and I think maybe exchanged Instagrams or something mm-hmm. or I don't know, maybe our mutual friend told you more about me and you and you put two and two together. I think that you went on a date with Pasha and then I showed him your picture. And he was like, I definitely went on a date with that girl. <laughs> she played me a song in her car. Well, that's what it <laughs> like was. Like, he remembered yes, that. Yes, yes. I had a song, favorite song, Mumford and Sons. I can't remember it now, but... Anyways, oh, I love them. Yeah, small yeah. world, small mm-hmm. world. The swinger kind of lifestyle community out here is small. So did yeah. you guys... What part of, I guess, the fun stuff do you like the most? Like, yeah. Do you guys still do parties? Have you kind of moved into more sensual relationships? or? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We never really got into the L.A. like scene ever. So it's it's really kind of hard to believe, but a lot of the playing that we've done in bigger spaces when we travel, we'll check out like a sex party. Like when we were in Berlin last year, we went to the Kit Kat Club and that was like such a highlight experience. Um, And then we have been to a few parties in LA, but we've never liked anything enough to go back a second time. So like, you know, the Kinky Rabbit, the Sanctum, the this or the that, sometimes people will curate, you know, their own, and so we've, we never found community in L.A. around the culture. Um, I would say Burning Man is a bit different. And so through that community, I think being in more experiences with just friends or people that we know. So I wouldn't say that we don't enjoy it, but we just never found our groove in it. And so the world is really small and I feel like now I know everyone through podcasting and like that's how I (laughs) found out about like all of these cool clubs. I mean, and Skirt Club, you know, which is like for all women. Do you know about Skirt Club? Yeah, Uh they have like an LA, they have like a chapter in every city. Mm -hmm. Uh Well, all like major cities. Um, So I would say we do enjoy it, but... The other thing is I think our life gets in the way. We don't prioritize it. And so over the years, we have leaned more into sensual relationships with other people, whether that be together with like a third or another couple or dating separately. Like we've both had full on relationships with other men, other women. 
and that's where I think we've found more fulfillment because for us we are a bit more about intimacy it's really fun to go to a party every now and then but it's not like I think where we would spend most of our time and so yeah I mean Lauren was a huge well Lauren is a huge part of our lives still but we dated romantically for about two years and then even after their relationship fizzled out she and I sort of carried on um, and then we were like realizing that our relationship is extremely intimate but also very platonic um, but I feel like she held so much space in my life that I didn't feel the need to really date anyone else for the past like almost four years and um yeah, I think Pasha has had like two women that he would, I mean, call like a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, I, I hate using the term kitchen table polyamory because I like these labels and these boxes sometimes can box you in. But for us, if it doesn't feel good for everyone and we're not like, okay, cool, I love this partner for you or this feels really expansive, then it's not really going to work for us at this stage in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm a firm believer of like baby steps and boundaries. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of like used those words to help people when they're opening up their relationship or when, when they're kind of leaning into the ENM world. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you did that in your relationship with Pasha? Were there some baby steps that you took or boundaries that you set? We did. Um, In the very beginning, we had the boundary of we we didn't want... Well, we were also sort of trying to keep things under wraps. So for me, it was important that we kept this private for just us. And this was like years of unpacking. Like really the reason I didn't want anyone to know is because I had like a lot of self-judgment. Um, But in the beginning, we agreed that we would not date any of our friends. We wouldn't be sharing this. We would only sort of, um, we've always been a tell each other everything sort of couple. There's never been like, don't ask, don't tell Mm -hmm. um, in our relationship. So we're like very forthcoming um, and not to hook up with anyone that we worked with was like, kind of a rule in the beginning and I'll call it a rule not a boundary because I think Jonah Hill taught us very (laughs) clearly a couple weeks ago the difference between boundaries and rules Um, but I would say that a lot of those things fizzled away pretty quickly because we realized that we're both very kinky people and we enjoy the idea of each other with other people so like mash made in heaven Neither of us have had much jealousy. Of course it comes up, and it has, but we love personal development. Pasha and I, like, we've been to, like, all the Tony Robbins courses and done all of these. Like, we'll go to, like, workshops and, you know, doing plant medicine, like ayahuasca retreats and, um, you know, facilitating ceremonies with other plants. So the exploration of, like, our limits and what we think is good, bad, right, and wrong for me is like, that is what I'm addicted to in Mm -hmm. life. And so to keep myself from brushing up against my edges seems so counterintuitive for why I'm here. And so of course, within reason, I'm not trying to like jump down the well and like learn everything at once, but 
I think by stripping away a lot of those boundaries or rules that we had early on, it really helped to know each other better mm-hmm. and like bring up the triggers. So then we can sit together and say, okay, why does this hurt you? Or why does this make you uncomfortable? Where does it come from? And then it's only in knowing like the deep-rooted place that that insecurity lies that you think is jealousy, but it's really a fear of maybe abandonment. It's not until you actually find that that you can heal it and be free of it. So for me, that was like always the goal. Um, And it's always been such a reason for us to be able to love each other better because now we know what the other one needs but if you're never triggered you're not going to be able to say oh well you know what when you do this I'm actually going to need a little bit more attention in this place or that place or oh when you go on a date I should really go have some girl time because that's what I crave and that's what fills me up so like being with my best friends or watching a movie that I love and Finding the ways to realize that you can meet all your own needs and having those needs met when you're in a non-monogamous container is so helpful for not projecting your you know, issues and your insecurities onto your partner. So when we have a lot of boundaries, I feel like it takes away from how much you can learn about yourself. So we eliminated them pretty early. I mean, we still have our you know, basic respect. Like we share everything with each other. Um, although we recently started playing with actually not telling each other some things because now we're like, well, it's boring. <laughs> so like now I want you to date people and not tell me anything. Spice it up a little. Yeah. Let's try something new. And I was like, well, I'm hoping that like, you know, he'll, he'll run into a woman that actually has a boundary that doesn't want me to know because Um, and this is like a whole other topic, but I'll just share quickly on it. You know, over the years we've learned, oh, this is actually like not okay for you to tell me everything that happened with this woman without her knowing, you know, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we were so young and figuring it all out. We were doing it wrong. You know, you just don't know. And then you like come up in this, you know, sort of, wild wild west of non-monogamy because it's not regulated (laughs) like monogamy is so regular I'm saying regulated to be funny um but I was like oh we're we're doing this wrong this is actually you know not considerate and not consensual not consensual yeah and so once we sort of relearned that and like incorporated that into our world and the way that we live you know like never come across any woman who's like not okay with me knowing you know details and things that I don't really ask anymore anyway because you know 10 years in it's all sort of well and good with me um but now I'm like can there just be somebody like I found myself wishing that there would be a woman who would say like oh that's a boundary for me I'm uncomfortable with it I'd rather you know your wife not know but it never happened. So finally I'm like, well, why am I waiting for that when I can create that situation? And here I am telling people like, don't ask, don't tell. It has never worked for me. And I, I personally don't think it's health, like a healthy way to start out. And now, you know, 10 years in, I'm like, I want don't ask, don't tell. Like, <laughs> can, we, can we do something different? <laughs> um, yeah, so now we sort of play with that. But I mean, you know, I'm about to have, Uh, twins in November Um, and so the interesting thing is we have very little time and we've hardly had you know sort of 
external of our relationship experiences with with anyone in a long time well that's not true Pasha went on a few dates while I was traveling and I met this like really adorable very sexy guy while I was traveling too and and made friends with him but other than that this entire year has been focused on our relationship and starting a family so there's been little time for this sort of play um, which has had us focus on each other a lot more, which has been really nice. That is nice. Yeah. I find that there's a bit of a ebb and a flow Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the energy you're getting for like, I'm giving a lot of energy to work right now or just producing content. And so sometimes I catch myself not as maybe kinky or feeling as sexy because all of my energy is going towards that. Yeah. Um, so I definitely see where it can just like change and put your energy elsewhere and you and I mm-hmm. want to get to the twins <laughs> but not yet um I I want to talk because you you said you're a kinky person I'm mm-hmm. a kinky person too I like how you like to hear what your partner's doing that's mm-hmm. something that I've always found is such a key special piece when you're in open relationships because yes. for us we crave that too or I do I know I do and so I like watching my partner with someone else. Mm-hmm. I like kind of thinking about it and fantasizing about it. Um, is there any other kinks that you're comfortable yeah. sharing? Yeah. <laughs> Besides that. Well, as I'm sitting here, I'm like looking over at above your bed and you have, you know, shibari ropes and handcuffs and, you know. Chains. Cha- cha- whips and chains. <laughs> yes. Um, I love impact play and I love to be restrained. Yeah. Anything where I relinquish control mm-hmm. is a big turn on for me. So and do I, you consider yourself submissive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can switch, but I'm much more submissive. I'm like 70, 30, maybe even 75, 25. Um, and I've not played so much in the dominant realm maybe a tiny bit in my partnership with Lauren, but we always end up like laughing and being goofy about it. So, um, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, which is fun. That's the thing about sex with girls. There could be so much more giggling so than much sex giggling. with guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love impact play and I'm not really delved too deep into the, I'm like looking at all of your amazing stuff, but I've not delved too deep into the world of Shibari, but I would like to. Um, yeah, I, I, I like marks, like that would turn me on if, you know, like someone left a mark on me from like a flogger or a paddle. Um, yeah, that's really it. That's what gets me going a lot. I'm not so much, I, I will role play. It's fun, but it's not like what really gets me going. And, oh, and I also love, um, degradation. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I have a like embarrassment and degradation kink. Actually, funny story. Thanks for my so. birthday this year, it's it's not going to be as sexy as it sounds like it's going into. But um, I had a party and I asked my friends to roast me, like how you would see on Comedy Central, right. you know, where they would like roast a comedian host for their birthday. So, and my friends are like extremely talented actors and producers and voiceover artists. And so they got together and they put together an epic, like 
three act <laughs> and the theme of the party was like mythological creatures gods and goddesses so they did like a three act greek tragedy about me and it was the most turned on i had been in a very long time because people made fun of me for hours and i so that's when i was like oh i have a really like sick kinky like degradation you know thing fetish and one of my friends said it, um, who's, she's been on my show, Maria Luisa, she was like, oh, you have a, you have a degradation kink. I was like, yes, how did I never know? Like, I know that I like to be called, you know, things in bed, but that sparked something for me. Where I was like, oh, this is really interesting. This gets me so excited. And um, I love to explore the psychology of kink. Have yeah. you read Existential Kink? No, I haven't. I've heard of it's it. Such though. a great book. You have to read. I have it. Oh, okay. yeah. You can. You can borrow it. Um, yeah. So. Have or you, you might want to get your own because, like, I scribbled notes all over, and it's like such a good book to write notes in. But I like to explore like where they come from, and you know, if you really think about it, they are tied to our childhood. Most are. And yeah, and it's about expressing yourself and acting them out in a safe way to like heal those parts of yourself. So did you have an embarrassing moment or some? I think I've, I think I've had several. Yeah, I think that um, embarrassment was like a big part of my childhood. I had older cousins who would like embarrass me, and I remember like kind of having a crush on one of them, and um, I remember my mom embarrassed me in front of a crush, and so I think like that imprint in me like in my body like you know somatically like I've worked on working that out before and it felt very connected to like being being made fun of or you know being silly and playing with with friends and like I had a lot of cousins growing up Um, and it's also tied together there's there's so much innocence in it all because it's like, you know, that pre-adolescent stage where everything's developing and you're going through puberty and then, you know, things as you progress, you know, turn into like fully, you turn into your full sexual being when you're, you know, younger. And I think it's very healthy to look back and follow the thread to like where it stems from because then you can really understand yourself more and your wants and your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so important. That's that's why these types of relationships are so fruitful. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, you dive deep. You figure out what the psychology is of yeah. your mind and your body. Yeah. And figure out what pleasure you want mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, twins. You're yes. having twins. <laughs> having twins. And I'm a twin, so I'm, I'm a fan. Wait a minute! Oh my god! Did I know this? I thought I told you. That's why I was so excited Oh my you. god, you did. That's right. I when like, I like posted when on you IG. Posted, I was like, oh my god. A couple people told me that they were twins that I didn't know about, too. I'm like, there are a lot more twins in the world. There's you have a, a twin brother, right? No, it's a, she's oh, a it's sister. Oh, it's a sister. identical sister, yeah. She's wow. In the marina as well. Oh my gosh. So do you know the sex of the yeah. twins? Yeah. One boy, one girl. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. We actually that's put into embryos um for people listening you know don't know me we I had a hysterectomy when I was 28 and so I always knew that I wouldn't be able to like get pregnant 
Um, but we did freeze a bunch of embryos at that time. It was when Posh and I were first married and we like didn't even know if we wanted kids. I thought I didn't want kids for a very long time, but we were like, let's do this now. It makes sense. We'll get some young, healthy embryos, mm -hmm. you know, and 10 years later, we have a surrogate who's carrying them. So with that whole process, you can choose the sex of your babies because you know this, what the embryos are. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So you chose a boy yeah. and a girl, mm -hmm. and they both got yeah, fertilized. Yeah, they both took. Yeah. Oh wow. Or I should say gender. Mm -hmm. I said sex. I'm yeah. so I'm so bad at this. I'm bad at that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. We chose a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. I wanted actually to allow the you know the doctor, the clinician, whoever is defrosting them and implanting them to have it be random, mm -hmm. or to choose like the healthiest viable embryos which I didn't know what they were and put them in and I didn't want to find out until birth and Pasha was like absolutely not <laughs> it was so like I'm opposite. putting my foot down <laughs> like you can have whatever else you want but like we're having a boy and a girl and I was like all right cool you know they're gonna be whoever they're gonna be we'll see oh my yeah and how is that relationship like with the, with the surrogate? Amazing. Yeah. yeah, we have such a good relationship. She's actually flying in uh, tomorrow oh, with so she's not her here. whole family. No, they live in Denver. Oh, wow. Yeah, she lives in Denver. Well, south of Denver. And I met her through a friend of a friend. Who, oh, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And has she done it before? No, no, this is her first time. She has two. She she has two daughters, so she's been pregnant twice and has given birth two times. Um, and she was not like, I'm gonna sign up with an agency and be a surrogate. Like that was not her path. She was intending to be a surrogate for one of her really good friends who was having trouble getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that woman. Um, and I think they probably were even going the IVF route and it wasn't working and Carly um, told her that she would be a surrogate for her and she ended up getting pregnant like wow. I think on like her last try or something like really amazing so she got pregnant and everything was really successful and beautiful and healthy they just had their baby in February I think and Carly um, was telling our mutual friend that she's like, you know, I kind of like got ready, like emotionally and like, you know, thought about the whole surrogacy thing. And now that it's not happening, like I kind of still want to do it. And so our friend, mutual friend Carmen was like, well, you should meet this couple. I know in California, they're looking for a surrogate right now and you would love them. And she said no initially. Cause she's like, no, like I would only do it for like, a family member or someone that I'm super close with. I don't want it to be transactional. It's, you know, it seems like a whole different like ball game and I don't really want to go down that road. And so Carmen was like, okay. But she brought it up to her again, like a few months later. And I think actually what had happened is um, that I went to Denver and I did a sound meditation and um, Carmen came to it and I like hung out there and her husband and we went hiking and um, we had spent the weekend together and I think she was like you really should reconsider <laughs> like you really should meet <laughs> Jess and Just see and so Carly was like, okay, you know what? I'll like let's do a FaceTime 
and we she called me and we facetimed and like within a minute we were like bawling so it was like like literally we picked up the phone and i knew i when i saw carmen's name on the phone i was like this is about the surrogate like i knew what she was calling me about instantly and yeah so it was like very kismet Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So exciting. Yeah. What are you? Do you have any fears about becoming a mom, or is it all excitement? And wow, great question. Um, I don't have a lot of fears. I have such a strong support, like network and team. Um, you know, at home, my best friend lives with us, and she was a nanny before for her brother's family. Like she's raised two kids. She has two two younger brothers and sisters too. Um, and yeah, and Pasha's like in such a great place for this to happen. So I think like when it comes to taking care of them and we're sure we'll be, I'm, I know we'll be overwhelmed. You just can't go from like zero to two without it. But I don't have a ton of fears in that way. But I will say, I've been reading and listening to a ton of books. Like, I have never prepared for something like I'm preparing for motherhood, which is so funny because I'm a very spontaneous person. Like, I remember the first time I was like, okay, we're going to do this podcast. Like, I didn't have anything ready, and I just, like, started recording, and I, you know, figure it out as I go along. That's how I've always been. But I want to do a really great job with this, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, I want to show up for my kids. So I, I would say my only fear, like listening to all of these books about conscious parenting, like Dr. Shivali, like, you know, Awakened Family and the book I wish my parents had read, which is all about like how we're essentially triggered by our kids so that like our kids are actually here to sort of raise us out of being unaware of our own patterns and just like looking at your kids as a mirror so we don't like project all of our stuff onto them which is what usually happens so I think that's my only fear is like am I like conscious enough to do the best job um and not project like my fears or my wants onto my kids Mm -hmm. I want to just let them be whoever they are and just sort of give them great space to express themselves. It seems like you're doing doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, and you're in a very energetic, wonderful like space, you know, yeah. you and your partner. So mm-hmm. you're gonna be a great mom. Thank you. Oh, I so hope sweet. so. Yeah. Do you have any twin advice for me? Like I was actually being just a twin. Say that I do. Yes, um, please share. Well, I guess having two different genders is. Mm-hmm. completely different than um, you know growing up with an identical twin but we didn't know we were identical actually till a few years ago when we did 23 and me oh. we always looked so much alike so it was always like yeah we're fr- we were born fraternal twins but we look a lot alike yes so that was pretty cool to find out that you know the egg split early enough mm-hmm. and created two separate sacks and we ended up being you know identical but um what I was going to say was when we were kids, my parents put us in different classes. You know, mm-hmm. they had us explore the same sports and the same activities, but we always, maybe we just had a little bit of that independent push from them, but we always chose different activities. Okay. Um, and even in, I know in preschool, we were in the same class, but in starting in like first grade and on, we they asked my parents if they wanted us to be separated or together. They were like, no, I think we want them to be separate. So yeah. they can like 
learn how to be separate because we had our own language when we were babies. We mm-hmm. had our own just like connection. We mm-hmm. were very, very shy and we mm-hmm. only wanted to be with each other. Mm-hmm. And we've always maintained such a powerful twin sisterhood dynamic yeah. through our entire lives, which is just so special. Yeah. And so that's my only advice, but I, I've seen a lot of twins that are the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like they do everything together they live together they went to college together you know they did it all and to me that's a different dynamic I just like I like the freedom and the independence Mm -hmm. of like having our own group of friends but we also had like our core group of girlfriends together and we always kind of supported each other through all of our different activities and sports and it just felt pretty pretty awesome that way yeah. But I'm sure whatever happens will be perfect for you yeah. guys. Yeah. You're right. It, I guess it's a bit easier when you have a boy and girl um, than to have, like, identical girls or boys or, you know, what have you. Because they might naturally want yeah. to do different things. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, yeah, exactly. Maybe not as close at, off the rip. Right. It's a different dynamic having. Totally. But I have read that a lot to really treat them as individuals mm-hmm. as they come and you know, celebrate birthdays independently and, Mm -hmm. you know, giving each child their own space to express themselves. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is definitely the way to go. I I have a a question. You do not have to answer this because it's about your sister. So maybe like you don't have consent here, but do you have a lot of similarities as you've gotten older with this amount of independence? Do you find that you like, like the same things or have these, I don't know, ways about you that you're like, oh, well, yeah, we're twins, so obviously, or very different personalities. and Definitely, there's a bit of nature and nurture in both of us, you know, mm. like we've kind of taken a little bit different paths, but we have done a lot of the same things. You know, we definitely have this adventurous spirit in mm-hmm. us. We both love to travel, you know, we both got our open scuba certification together and like we like to do some like adventure stuff together um but I do find that we've gone a little bit more independently but there's things that like I recognize or you know we both have bad anxiety and sometimes that flares Mm -hmm. up and it's Mm -hmm. like oh like I can relate or sometimes one of us is feeling heavier and we can just relate in that sense because we're both very emotional people Mm. um but definitely I think the older you get, the more different you become yeah, in a way. For sure. But there's still those moments where like, oh yeah, you're, you are my identical yeah. twin. <laughs> yeah. I forget that you're my same mm-hmm. jeans and yeah. everything. It's Cut so from the exact same cloth. Yeah, it's yeah. trippy. But wow. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I'm happy for you. Thanks. I am too. I'm so excited. Ugh, All I think about right now. Yeah, so you're leaning more into motherhood, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of putting your energy in that, coming yeah. forward. Yeah. It's very exciting. I know. I'm stoked. It's oh. a whole new ball game. And is, <laughs> does your um, partner, your girl, want to be involved? In yeah, I mean, she's... She, well, so we, we do still actually call each other partners, so you're not off there at all. But she has, I mean, we haven't been romantic in a few years, but we are still very intimate. Like, I mean, she slept in my bed the other night, you know, we hadn't seen each other in a couple of, 
uh, months and because I was traveling with Pasha and then I went to the East Coast. Um, you know, so we, and we still kiss like on the mouth, but she actually fell in love with one of our best friends, like one of her closest friends who she met through us, who's like a part of our community. Um, they realized that they were in love with each other in January. So they're building their relationship and they're about to move in together. So she's actually moving out of our house, um, which she's been, she's been staying with us for probably nine months. Um, she was doing a lot of traveling. So we were like, sublet your place. Just like when you're in town, you'll be at our house. But we've like really had a good time living together. And I always make the joke, I was like, we had to break up for you to move in. And we, I call her my ex-girlfriend all the time, even though it's mm -hmm. like silly, but it's just fun. So she'll be moving out in September, but she literally lives less than a mile away. <laughs> so it's like, okay. you know, Mar Vista, Marina Del Rey. Um, so she'll be very involved as like an auntie and um, I don't think we'll change anything about the way that we relate to one another. Mm -hmm. um, I do think there's nights where she'll still sleep in my bed. We'll kiss on the mouth. Um, you know, we, we're going to be very close and my kids are going to know how important she is to me. And I think like at an age appropriate time, they'll probably find out our history, mm -hmm. you know, and um, yeah, I mean, I even think in, I don't know what will happen, what the future holds for the two of us in our relationship, but I know that this is her life partner and they're going to have a family together. And so we are just totally like manifesting and fantasizing about all the ways that we're going to be moms together. And yeah, it's just the, it's the best. And that's what I love about non-monogamy and polyamory because I've found in so many of my relationships and friendships and meeting other people in this community, a lot of times a breakup, which has the connotation of being bad, um, is usually just a shift or a transition with non-monogamous folks into friendship, sometimes even into an even more intimate relationship than a sexual one, you know, has mm -hmm. like sometimes, um, not that a sexual one has limited capacity, but I feel that some of my relationships have deepened when I stopped sleeping with those people. It's yeah. true. I'm noticing that too when mm -hmm. we've been dating women and sometimes it it does kind of just shift yeah. into something better or something different. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that might be good. That's yeah, a good place to end it's a today. great place to end. I mean, yay for polyamory! <laughs> yay for polyamory! Yay for kitchen table poly! Um, thanks again, Jess, for being here. Thanks I for really having appreciate me. You and I'm so happy to see you as a mama. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing your advice, and I'm so happy to see you as a podcaster. Thanks. This is dope. It's it exciting. it feels good to be winding down in a way, knowing that there's incredible women just like you that are just gearing up, you know, to do this mm -hmm. kind of work because it's so important. I'm so proud of you and this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It means a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm.